and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Okay, well, feel free to heckle and say hello and just chat in general to me, maybe not the person next to you, um, (laughs) because it's really nice to be together. Um, If you are online, which I don't know which camera I'm looking at, there are three, but if you are on any of those cameras and you are on the other side of it, welcome to church. It's lovely to have you. Um, Friends in the room, it's really nice to have your faces all masked up looking at me. So welcome, 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 guys. Um, So yeah, we're kicking off a new series tonight. Uh, It's four weeks. It's called God on a Mission. Um, I'm going to give us a little bit of a uh, why we're doing it tonight. Um, But I was thinking about, um, you know, this COVID thing that we've been doing for the last two years, 18 months, whatever it is. Um, And I don't know about you, but I'm a bit tired. Um, And I feel like there are a whole lot of um, significant challenges that have come out of this time. Um, of doing church online, offline, uh, in person, how all the different forms that we've been doing church. It's been, it's been different and weird and no one could have expected it to come. So um, I just wanted to chat through some of those challenges, really, uh, not for the entire night because that would be very boring, but recognise that we have been gathering um, in and out um, of person. <laughs> um, some of us have been separated from family. Uh, some of us have lost jobs. Some of us have lost housing. Uh, Some of us have torn through our savings to be able to afford Sydney rent. Um, Food has become more expensive. Uh, That is a thing. I realise that the block of cheese that I have to buy almost weekly because David really, really likes cheese has gone up like a dollar fifty. What is that? But anyway. Um, If you have kiddos at home and you've been homeschooling, you might be entirely exhausted from having to explain to your kids a million times why you don't understand their math questions or um, why they can't see their friends. Um, That's tiring. Uh, Many of us haven't been able to celebrate birthdays or anniversaries or or grieve the lives of those that have passed during this time. Um, And I recognise that that is a huge thing. And some of us are exhausted from just hearing the words COVID and pandemic um, and any of those other words that have been said daily. Um, (laughs) So if you work in journalism or anything like that, you're probably extra tired of it. And some of us might be feeling entirely uncomfortable right now while you sit in this room full of people um, and you might feel overstimulated by conversation or lights or movement or worship or whatever it is. And I just wanted to say from the outset that that's okay tonight and as we come back into this, um, to being together in this room. Um, and I wanted to say, and I, on behalf of Chris and I, thank you for just coming as you are. And um, it's really precious that we're actually here together. Um, and I want to acknowledge that we're all probably in very different places with different experience of life over the last little while. Um, But it's really wonderful that you would just come with whatever you have in your hands tonight. So thank you. Um, Hooray. But, but, I have noticed this little problem that has been creeping in. Um, 
I have noticed that we are becoming or have become quite conditioned to being able to watch church on demand, um, to watch it in our pyjamas, which is wonderful. Um, I'm really happy that I'm not sitting in our lounge room studio tonight and have lights. Well, I have lights, but these are a little less bright than the, the studio lights that we'd usually use. And now that I've looked at them, I can't actually see what's on my thing. <laughs> Why do eyes do that? When you look into a bright thing, suddenly it's like black spots all over my eyes. Where am I? Now I feel really blind. Oh, yeah. Um, so, and maybe, maybe um, you've become conditioned to not participating at all. Um, because who's going to know if you don't turn up on a Sunday? Um, and, you know, it's been easy to opt out of life group um, because we're overstimulated by screens. We've all been working off online, online, not offline. So it's, it's a problem. And I think that there are a few consequences of that problem. Um, and I, I recognise that many of us have forgotten the purpose of church. We've forgotten what our role as Christians is in the world. Maybe we haven't entirely forgotten, but we started to forget. Um, We've forgotten what it looks like to gather together on a Sunday evening. Um, And we've forgotten why that's so, so important. And I think we may have forgotten to bring, how to bring our authentic selves um, with all the the joys of life and the lows of life, um, because that's quite a... um, quite a scary thing to bring yourself to a group of people. Um, And something I've realised about myself is that when life starts to get a bit chaotic and I feel a little all over the place, there are two things in particular that tend to happen for me. Um, So number one, my house gets super messy um, and I can't blame that on a small human. That is entirely me. It's not Chris either. It is really me because it's like my corner of the bedroom just suddenly becomes this giant floor room. Um, And it's a good depiction of what's actually going on inside of me. And the second thing that I do is I get really, really, really good at procrastinating. And I think if procrastination was an Olympic sport, I would win. It's probably the only sport that I would ever win and procrastination is it. Um, But when I procrastinate, I get so fixated on doing all the other tiny things in my life that I forget what I was actually trying to do in the first place. Is anyone in the same boat as me? Yes, okay. Are we all procrastinators here? Yep, I would beat you all. (laughs) Um, But I say this because I think we've lost our focus. I know I've lost my focus. Um, I think we've lost our why and... Uh, I was thinking about, I I mean, Chris was talking about RAW just before I work for RAW. Um, And at the start of every year, we do this thing called Vision Week. And we spend our first day just talking about why. We talk about the why of RAW, why each individual is still hanging around at RAW. Why is it that we keep turning up? So I wonder what your why is for being here tonight. So... Really, the point of this new series that we're starting tonight, um, called Gone on a Mission, is to remind us, each one of us, of our why. It's to refocus us on the, on the fact that God is already at work in the world, and he's already bringing the kingdom. He's building it, he's shaping it for his purposes, but he invites us to jump on board and partner with him. And each one of us are invited to that table which I think is pretty damn cool. 
Um, If you didn't know what God's mission is or what he's up to, um, God is in the business of redeeming and reconciling the whole world to him. And he's been using unremarkable, unremarkable, faithful people like you and me to do it. So our hope as we return to this gathering in person, and if you're online and you're unable to join us, I'm so sorry. We wish you were here and I hope you're here next week. Um, But this next series over the next few weeks is going to remind us that each one of us is actually made for mission, even if you're like, but I'm not a missionary. Yeah, you are. We're going to look at some of the promises that God made throughout the Old Testament and then how they're fulfilled in the arrival of Jesus on Christmas Day, which I love. Um, And, you know, we're going to learn that God's mission isn't just a concept, but actually it's a very, very practical thing that happens daily in our everyday boring lives. And sometimes they're not boring lives, but sometimes they're really boring. But it continues in those days. So... Tonight, we're looking at God's promise that he is making us a family. Um, So we're going to go and jump into Genesis 12. It's a very short bit of scripture, but I'm going to read it after I've had some more water because, you know, all this talking. We're very quiet tonight. We're very, very quiet. It's okay. We don't need booze. None of that. Calm down, Sean. (laughs) No, you're great. Did anyone else freak out when David came up here and was, like, hanging out around the side and trying to get the train? Yeah, yeah, that freaked me out too. All right, now that we've had that moment, Genesis 12. Um, So, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Lucky Lot, he gets an honourable mention. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Uh, And then it goes on and gives a little bit of details. And then he moved to another place. And then he moved to another place. And he kept traveling. So it's just that first bit that we're going to look at a little bit tonight. So um, if you pop back to Genesis 1 to 11, um, it sets up the basic storyline for the Bible. Um, That God's created all things. He makes humans in his image to rule the world on his behalf. Humans choose sin and rebellion and then the world spins out of control. Everything gets very dramatic. There's violence, there's death, and it eventually leads up to a rebellion and scattering of people in this place called Babylon. And this sets up a question. What is God going to do to rescue and redeem his world? And then after this scattering, we read about this guy, Abram, later called Abraham. So I'm probably going to skip between his two names because Abraham sounds much cooler than Abram. I think God was just like, you know what? Your name's a bit dull. Let's zhuzh it up a little bit. So I might use the zhuzhy Abraham uh, name tonight. Anyway, we read about him. And uh, God's promise to Abram, Abraham, feel like we need some jazz fingers. Um, at the beginning of chapter 12, it opens this new movement in the story. Everything starts to get very, very exciting. It's like plot twist. 
And then God calls Abram to leave his home, go to the land of Canaan. And in that land, he makes this promise, these promises to Abraham um, that he's going to make him into a great nation. He's going to make his name great and he's going to bless him. And it's kind of cool because these promises all connect back to earlier in the book of Genesis. Um, so there's this so place called Babylon that we talked about just before. They tried to make a name for themselves um, and they really failed. Um, and then God said that he was going to make a name out of this no one, this random dude called Abram. It's like, how are you going to do that, God? But this blessing that um, God gives him, it goes back to the original blessing that God gave in the creation story, which is kind of fun. So it says it, it's all about blessing all the people on earth. He makes this promise so that all people will be blessed. God's plan from the start here is to rescue and, bl- and bless his world through this family that he's going to create through Abram. Abraham. <laughs> And this family becomes the example to the world. Um, yeah, he becomes, they become the example to the world to declare and demonstrate God's might and power and his character. And this promise of rescuing and blessing uh, the world is later picked up by all the biblical prophets and poets who say that this f- fulfillment of this promise is going to come through Israel's messianic king, so Jesus which is very cool that there are these, all these storylines that just kind of weave all the way through the Bible. I think that's pretty amazing. But one of the things that I really, really love about this passage, because um, Chris said, hey, you're going to do this? And I was like, well, this seems a little bit boring. Um, <laughs> but as I read, I realized that I love that God chose this totally unremarkable man to grow his family to demonstrate his ability to provide and to show off his power. I love that he uses someone who is a really beautiful example of what it is to lead and to be humble and to recognize that God is God. Hmm. I think Abraham was able to see that he was just this tiny, tiny, tiny part in the bigger story that God was trying to tell the world. And he still is telling the world. And I think he's still using his story. Um, but then if we look at Abraham and then we look at Jesus, because Jesus is always a good place to go, um, <laughs> I was thinking Jesus is a pretty unremarkable dude at first sight. Um, he was humble. He was sure of his personal mission and the role that he was playing in God's story of reconciling all things to himself And Jesus knew that his mission was to proclaim and demonstrate God's love and his goodness to the world. So it was to do the stuff that he saw his father doing. So what did Jesus do? He invited this small group of dudes to come and follow him closely and to learn his ways. And I think that this gathering of these men um, and women who followed him it's an invitation to the disciples to, to model God's family. It's kind of the, it's the version of God's family that we get to look at and learn from. The disciples were invited all in to everything that Jesus did and, and what he was up to. They followed, they learned, they were being included in this proclamation and this demonstration. So the healings that, that Jesus was doing 
it was, he, they were just invited into all of that. So Jesus would show them, he'd do it, and then he'd send them out to go do it, and then he'd want to hear their stories about, well, how'd you go? Um, and I was thinking that the, the disciples are similar to, a to-, to toddlers. Um, <laughs> like, I might be doing the most boring task in the world, um, but David wants to follow after me for some unknown reason. I must look amazing when I'm doing housework when I'm not procrastinating. Um, <laughs> um, but if I'm doing anything around the house, chances are he is following me, he's trailing after me, and then the next day, chances are I will see him copying me and doing the same thing. Um, or he'll use words that I use. And I'm like, how did you learn that amazing word? What did he say when he was going down a slide at my parents' place, Chris? Oh, for goodness, for goodness sake. I don't know where he learned that one, but he went down the slide and then he went, oh, for goodness sake. I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm dramatic, but I'm not that dramatic. So where did you pick that up? But that's, that's the disciples. They were doing the same. They were like toddlers and I love it that they just tailed Jesus around. And I think we're supposed to be exactly the same. Um, and when I read Matthew 28, so if you have time later, it's super short. It's the Great Commission. Actually, you know what? Let's just flick there because it's a good place to go. That's Isaiah. The Old Testament is very long, isn't it? This is a card from someone in here. Thank you, person. Uh, oh, good one. Great Commission. So Matthew 28. She'll probably know this off by heart. I've written it in so many essays this year. <laughs> then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. But when I think about this incredible passage, which has so many layers to it, but thinking about the family of God, I read this and it says, therefore go and make disciples. I think that's Jesus kind of saying, Go grow my family. Go invite people into this, into this thing that you've discovered. Tell people about Jesus by the way that you live your life. Tell people about Jesus. Expand my family. That's how we get to participate. It's just one of the ways we get to participate in this growing of God's family. So... God promised a big family to Abraham. Abraham! Jesus continued this in the way he modelled family to his disciples, to his followers. But as we begin to, um, to gather in person, why don't we commit to continuing to practice this and keep learning how to be part of this big family of God? Let's keep being faithfully present. Let's keep turning up even when it's hard and you don't feel like it. Um, let's keep praying for others, and we're going to practice that in a minute. Keep inviting people to be around your table. Invite people into your life. I love um, in that Acts passage that we always, always, always talk about, um, <laughs> it, it says that people, um, people saw 
the way that the disciples lived or these believers lived and that was enough pretty much to make them go, oh, there's something to this Jesus guy. My, um, my hope is that we, as we relearn, because that's what this feels like, is we're relearning what it means to enter back into doing church together as the family of God. Um, I would hope that we would be inviting people into that so that it gives them an opportunity to go, hmm, maybe there's something to this Jesus thing that you harp on about all the time. <laughs> so would you consider that? Um, we are going to do a little bit of prayer ministry. Um, and it's been a little while. Um, so Christoph, I want to invite you up. But we're going to invite the Holy Spirit. But um, just before I do that, I really felt like the Lord said to me um, this week that he wanted to re-extend the invitation to be the family of God. And we read this Great Commission and it, it does feel like it's a giant invitation to being part of God's family. Um, and, I, and I think some of us need to actually take him up on it again um, and say, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And it might feel awkward but let's try and do the awkward together. I think it's a good thing. Um, so let's invite the Holy Spirit. Let's do it. So I'd like to invite you to all to stand. Um, should have done some jazz hands for that. I invite you all to stand. Everything is a song. <laughs> Everything is a song. <laughs> okay, we're standing. Hmm. Cool. All right, well... Um, way we like to do it in the vineyard, if you haven't been around before, is I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. If you'd like to, put your hands out in front of you, um, which is just a sign to say to the Lord, hey, I'm here. You're welcome to do your thing. So I just want to invite you.